the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Lord's Prayer. It's been a marvelous journey over the last two months as we have focused on the Lord's Prayer. A final look at the prayer specifically next on Abounding Grace. Join us. An amazing prayer. It's found here in Matthew 6 or Luke 11. And really, it's the disciples' prayer or an outline for prayer. When we pray these simple petitions, there's so much more involved. And we would encourage you to contact us for the entire 25-CD series that marks out the Lord's Prayer. As we come to today's broadcast, we come to our final look at the prayer specifically. Now, Thursday and Friday of this week, we'll spend looking at the follow-up to this prayer, the certainty of answered prayer. But again, that begins tomorrow. Right now, let's catch up with Pastor Gary Wagner for today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. In the book of Revelation, John on the Isle of Patmos gives Jesus a name in chapter 3, which is the Amen of God. The Amen, or the faithful and true witness. Amen is also used in the New Testament as a congregational response to preaching and to prayer. In 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, Otherwise, if you bless in the Spirit only, how will the one who fills the place of the ungifted say the amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not know what you are saying? In other words, over and over again, we see the use of the word amen used in worship. Now, how is it used in the Bible with the congregation of the Lord? The word amen is used to give God's word assent. To give assent or approval or agreement to God's word. We must be serious when we say amen. And we must never say it because it's just the way we're accustomed to in some meaningless fashion. Amen is a very serious word. It means, let it be. It shall be. I am in full agreement. I add my amen to this and I vow to live consistently with it. All of that is implied in the word amen. In the Bible, it was used to give assent to the preaching of the word of God. There is a great picture of this in Deuteronomy 27 when Israel was on the Mount of Gerizim and the Mount Ebal, which was really almost like a great big football field. And the people stood on the side and Moses, right in the middle of them, was reading the Word of God. And every time he would finish one sentence, the entire congregation would shout out, Amen! It was also used in the Bible to give expression to the unity 
of someone with the speaker in a worship service, in praise and in prayer. In other words, in the Bible, the use of amen in prayer and praise was a characteristic feature of the early church in worship, as well as in the Old Testament. After King David's one of King David's great hymns of praise to God, it says in 1 Chronicles 6 that all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. Now, what is the importance of saying amen when a message is being preached? Well, it, first of all, may wake up your husband or your wife. It may just shock the daylights out of them. But really, saying amen is a means of grace for myself and for you. It helps the preacher, and it helps you. It ties you to the Word. Amen, so let it be, it shall be in my life. And trust me, beloved, it is a great encouragement to me when I hear it. So, beloved, saying amen in a worship service is not just for the Baptists or the Pentecostals. It is biblical. Also, it makes you one with the speaker when he's preaching and when he is praying. In the worship of God, the members of the congregation are not spectators watching someone else perform. They are not simply hearers listening to someone else's words. They are participants, and one of the ways they participate, expressing their own grateful response to the glory of God, is by the use of amen in prayer and praise and in assent to the Word of God. Here's what the old Heidelberg Catechism says, which is actually older than our own catechism and confession. It says, amen signifies it shall truly and certainly be. For my prayer is more assuredly heard of God than I can feel in my heart that I desire these things of Him. So when we end the Lord's Prayer or any of our prayers by saying amen, we are doing a very serious thing. We are declaring before the face of God that we really meant what we just prayed that we weren't playing the hypocrite. But, but the things that we ask for and the things we press God for, we sincerely believe and we sincerely desire, we sincerely need and we earnestly pray He would give us being assured that He is able and He is most willing to give us insofar as it is in accordance with His will. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let me now give a final words of application. This conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, this doxology, should reprove us and correct all of us for not praising God as we should, for not giving Him the honor He deserves, for not adoring Him in our words as we should, Adore Him. And why don't we do it? Why don't we honor God and praise Him as we should? I believe there are basically three reasons. 
The first one is our self-love. Beloved, we love ourselves way too much. Oh, when we get blessings, we say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, God. But then it's only when we need blessings that we usually pray. And more often, we see nothing beautiful and attractive in God. So as to just pray in praise because of his majestic holiness, except when we're asking him for something. The second reason is because of our negligence and our insensitivity to his gracious dealings with us. Often we're just too spiritually dull to see how God brings blessings into our lives in the dark and troublesome moments and circumstances of life. And because we don't see those good things that God's providence brings into our life rather than praising Him, we just whine and murmur and complain and gripe. And then a third reason I believe many Americans are strangers to the adoration and praise of God because their God is simply not worth adoring. Their God's just too small and not worth praising. So I ask you, how big is your God? How does love for yourself hinder you from praising Him? How does spiritual dullness and insensitivity keep you from seeing His loving hands in your life? And instead of praising Him in everything, do you whine and gripe? The conclusion to the Lord's Prayer should also encourage us to pray and increase our confidence in the God to whom we pray. Because His is the kingdom, and His is the power, and His is the glory forever. He is sovereignly governing everything, and His sovereignty is backed by His almighty strength and omnipotence. And because of His sovereignty and almighty power, He causes everything that happens to us to happen for His glory and for our good. And beloved, that is a very strong and true statement for Scripture. For of Him, and through Him, and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. God is willing to answer our prayers, and He is able to answer our prayers. Remember, what is the first thing we learned about the Lord's Prayer? God is our Father through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is a Father who cares for us. And what's the second thing we learned about God in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven. He is a great king that sits on the throne at the center of the universe who is all-powerful to protect us. So his fatherly affection assures us that he is willing to hear our prayers and his royal power assures us that he is able to answer our prayers. So, beloved, if we ask anything according to his revealed will, We never have any reason to doubt that He will answer our requests. Third, this conclusion of the Lord's Prayer directs us in the manner in which we are to pray. If we pray, Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, then we must pray with reverence, with self-abhorrence, and with submission. First of all, we are to pray with reverence. Why? 
because the one to whom we pray is a great, powerful, glorious, majestic being. We must pray with self-abhorrence and a sense of our own nothingness compared to the one to whom we pray. We must remind ourselves when we pray that we are to deny ourselves because we have nothing in and of ourselves. No worth, no merit, no accomplishment, no contribution, no gift, no talent. There is nothing in us or about us to move God to hear and answer our prayer. Beloved, the only arguments and reasons and requests that we offer are those that come out of His Word. Nothing from us. We have nothing. We are to pray with self-denial and self-abhorrence. And we are to pray with submission to God's will. Because the kingdom is God's alone, and because He has the absolute power to dispose of everything in your life as He pleases, and because He does everything for His own glory, when we pray, we must come before Him, not complaining of His providence, Not dictating to Him how He should deal with us, but we should come submissively expecting our desires and petitions to be answered in whatever way He seems good. According to His wisdom and the good pleasure of His will. And we must be more than willing to leave our petitions right there at His throne. We should pray with the psalmist in Psalm 115.1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto your name give glory for your mercy and for your truth's sake. So the conclusion of the Lord's prayer teaches us the manner and the disposition we should have when we pray. But it also gives us duties. It indicates that there are duties that we must perform if we are going to pray the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. If we are going to pray sincerely, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, then we are to freely and voluntarily resign ourselves to God's service. I surrender. I give up. I resign my will to be governed by your will for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And whenever we pray that conclusion, and we don't surrender ourselves to God's service, beloved, we mock God. When we acknowledge His decisions and His rule over everything, including ourselves, and we do not subject ourselves and our wills and our preferences and our desires to His revealed will, how can we say to God, Thine is the kingdom? And then cherish rebellious pet lust in our own hearts. How can we pray to God, Thine is the power, and doubt His ability to provide for and protect us in His service in this world? How can we say to Him, Thine is the glory, and live for self-pleasure and self-service? And if we are going to pray the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer sincerely, we must depend on God's all-sufficiency. In His grace, there is all we need, beloved. Dare we say, Thine is the power, and not rely on Him for everything? 
Dare we say, Thine is the power, and say by our practice, but I will not trust you. I will trust myself, because I can provide for myself better than you can. As one said, if we pray the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, we must cast ourselves into the arms of God's all-sufficient grace. And if we are to pray the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer, we are to aim at and seek the Lord's glory in everything we think and speak and do. Dare we say, Thine is the glory, and then give that glory that is due to God to ourselves? Dare we say, Thine is the glory, and then take pride in our own ability and talents and accomplishments and do not give God the glory for these things? There's a way of life that is demanded of us if we are to sincerely pray the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer. And when we end our prayer with Amen, which means, so be it, so let it be, so shall it be, we are at that moment expressing the two things that are absolutely required for true prayer. Fervent desire and faith. That is what the word amen denotes. I fervently desire these things to take place, O Lord, in my life. And I have the faith to believe that God is able and willing to do them. And you see both of these elements in the book of James. In James 1.6 it says concerning prayer, Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. In James 5.16 it says, But the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So that whenever we say amen in our prayer, are we saying this with our whole heart? Are we earnestly praying that this might be so and that we have the faith to believe that God will answer this prayer according to His Word and mercy and power and wisdom? Beloved, Jesus is the one who put the amen at the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer because He wants us to end our prayers that way. And we must always think about that when we use it. Think, so let it be. So shall it be. And understand when you say amen at the end of the Lord's Prayer, you are saying amen to all six petitions. You are saying, let it be, so shall it be. Amen, this is what I desire. I want this more than anything in all the world. All six petitions fulfilled in my life. You know, that's not the way many people do it. Many people say when they pray and give us this day our daily bread, amen. But when it comes to the petition, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, there is no amen. Many beg pardon and forgiveness of sins and say amen to it. But to be kept from evil, to bridle and restrain the indwelling sin of our heart, there is no amen. Many would have protection from temptation and evil and say amen to that petition, but no real amen to declaring the glory of God. Hallowed it be thy name. Well, maybe in the world, 
but no amen as far as my own life is concerned. Lord, forgive my debts, amen, as I forgive my debtors. No amen. So understand, when we say amen at the end of the Lord's Prayer, we are saying amen to all six petitions. And then one last thing. We are saying amen at the end of a sentence that is a doxology. The last sentence of the Lord's Prayer is not a petition. It is not a request. We are not asking God for anything. We are telling Him something. We are looking Him square in the eyes and we are saying to Him, For Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. My earnest, fervent desire is to please you and honor you and adore you and praise you as you are worthy of all my praise and my adoration. So as Thomas Manton said, let your hallelujah sound as loud as your supplications. When you go to the Lord and there is a need in your life, those supplications for you, from you are loud. And the amen to those supplications should be, allow, should be a, loud, allowing the praise and the adoration to stir up your soul just as much as your supplications. So that you are able to say, Lord, give me my daily bread. Forgive me my sins and deliver me from evil. Amen. Let thy kingdom come, thy will be done, thy name be hallowed, thy Father which art in heaven, all glory, power, and kingdom belong to you. Amen. Let your hallelujahs be as loud as your supplications. Well, there we have it. We come to God who is our Father with all, bold, all the boldness of little children through faith in Jesus Christ. And at the same time, we come with reverence and awe because He is our King who art in heaven. The concern of our prayer is not ultimately ourselves, beloved. It is His name and His honor and His kingdom and His will. So without concerning ourselves with ourselves, but being concerned for His glory, we pray, may Your kingdom come. And overpower all the kingdoms of this world. May your name be hallowed. Not only in this world, God, but in my life. And may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not only in me, but in the whole world. Only then, I pray that you would give me this day my daily bread. And even then, it's not for my sake. It's so I have the strength to advance your kingdom. I'm going to need strength to hallow your name. I'm going to need strength to do your will on earth as it is in heaven. So give me this day my daily bread, O oh Lord. And forgive me my debts. Because I know I've forfeited all right to my bread. I don't deserve anything good from your hand. God, I pray for the sake of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would forgive me of all my sins and that you would help me to manifest that forgiveness by forgiving of people who have injured me. me. And Lord, I not only want forgiveness of my sins, I not only want justification, I want sanctification. Please don't lead me into temptation that is bigger than I can bear as I depend fully upon you. 
Support me, O Lord, when I'm having to face temptation. And recover me out of it when I cave into it. Teach me lessons from the temptations I cave into so I will never repeat them again. And Lord, I look forward to that day in death and resurrection when you will deliver me forever and completely and totally from evil. When I will never again have to ask for forgiveness because to you and to you alone belongs the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved, more than any time in recent history, Christ and his church are under severe attack. Therefore, we must take prayer seriously and diligently and fervently and sincerely pray that God will fulfill all six of these petitions in our lives and that the kingdom of darkness will be smashed to smithereens for he is able and he is willing to do just that. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.